Well, if you have been here the last few weeks, you know that we are in a series where we're looking at God's promises. We're looking at how God keeps those promises through Jesus. And our theme verse is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where we read, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. So today we'll be looking at another promise of God, and we'll be seeing how he keeps his promises. And as I was preparing for the message, I was reminded of a story that I heard several years ago. A woman burst into her house, and she yells, pack your bags, honey. I just won $10 million in the lottery. And he got really excited, and he says, that's great, that's wonderful. Should I pack for the beach? Should I pack for the mountains? Should I pack for Europe? And she said, I really don't care where you go. Just pack your bags and get out of here so I can start my new life. Have you ever, have you ever dreamt about a complete do-over for your life? You know, walking away from your current life and heading to the mountains to live in a cabin or moving to another country and starting all over again. And when some of you dream about it, you dream of taking all of your family with you. Others who may have more stress in their relationships dream of leaving behind family members. But many have dreamed about starting over and uh, having a second chance at life. And there was a time in our history when a person could start over in life. My wife's grandparents left Scotland and sailed to Ellis Island to start a new life in this country. My grandmother, who was a widow, moved from Des Moines, Iowa to Los Angeles, California with my mom when she was a young girl so that they could start a new life. And most of us can look at our family histories and we can see people who have started over by moving to America or moving within the United States. The movie Insomnia tells the story of a crime that took place in Alaska. At one point in the story, which is not a family-friendly story, by the way, so don't go home and decide to watch it with your kids. But at one point in the story, a woman tells a police officer, there are two kinds of people who live in Alaska. Those who were born here and those who are running away from something. Those who are born here or those who are running away from something. And it's harder to do now, everyone who applies for a job has to submit to background checks that thoroughly review your past history. The internet makes it easy for people to check your past and harder for you to get a fresh start in life simply by moving from one place to another. And I think the only people who can really do that in this day and age are those career criminals who turn over evidence to the FBI and enter the witness protection program. But sometimes you just need to start over. Some of us need a second chance. And the promise that we're looking at today is a promise that God makes over and over and over again in the Bible and then fulfills through Jesus. God promises, I will give you a second chance. I will give you a second chance. Let's look at some of the verses where God promises us a new start or a second chance. In Isaiah chapter 1, he says this, I, the Lord, am the one speaking to you. Come, let's discuss this. Even if your sins are as dark as red dye... 
that stain can be removed and you will be as pure as wool that is white as snow. And then in Psalm 51, David says this, God, be merciful to me because of your faithful love. Because of your great compassion, erase all the wrongs I've done. Scrub away my guilt. Wash me clean from my sins. These verses both tell us of the fact that God is going to take away all of our sin. He's going to take away all our regret. He promises to give us a second chance to get it right. And in the New Testament, we read about how God fulfills this promise through Jesus with a resounding yes. Look at what it says in uh, 1 John chapter 1. The blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from every sin. And Colossians 2 tells us this. When you were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. He canceled the debt which listed all the rules we failed to follow. He took away that record with its rules and nailed it to the cross. The Bible clearly teaches God is the God of second chances. God is the God of second chances. But you know, that isn't the picture some people have of him. Some still have this image of God being an angry old man with a long beard, watching our every move, just looking for a chance to smack us down. Or they picture him as a mean-spirited dictator who is eager to find a reason to punish us. And I don't know where people got that image of God, but it didn't come from the pages of the Bible. It didn't come from the Bible. Throughout the Bible, its pages shout out to anyone who will listen that God is all about second chances. God is forever looking for opportunities to bless us and to forgive us and to make something beautiful of the mess that people have made of their own lives, including you and including me. And one of the stories that Jesus told is a little bit strange, but it deals with this misunderstanding. Look at this from Luke chapter 13. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. Now, Jesus is telling this story to people in the crowd who seem to think that God loved to punish people, that he had punished people, he had even killed people because they had done something sinful or wrong. They seem to have the picture of God as someone who was out to get sinners every chance that he got. And they thought if someone was to commit a sin, it was game over. And in response, Jesus told this parable that teaches God is anxious to give us another chance to get it right and to bear fruit. And this is good news for us, isn't it? At some level, we are all in need of a second chance spiritually. I mean, we have failed to follow God and to obey him in the way that we know that we should. So let's spend our time today looking at what it would mean to get a second chance with God. The first thing that a second chance means is owning my mistakes. 
It means owning my mistakes. Now, this one ought to be obvious. I mean, if you think everything's fine in your life, you don't need a second chance. I mean, if you have convinced yourself that you're fine with God, that you aren't really a sinner, you don't need a second chance. And usually the people who say this have a very narrow definition of sin. They only consider the big things like murder and rape and bigotry as sins. They don't worry much about honesty or morality or humility. But the fact still remains a second chance means I have owned my sins. I've owned my mistakes. The Bible talks about the difference between people who own their mistakes and those who don't. Look at 1 John again, chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins because we can trust God to do what is right. He will cleanse us from all the wrongs we have done. So if you came here today in need of a second chance, it starts with owning your mistakes. And that starts with believing that you are a sinner. It starts with admitting to God and to others that you have failed to follow him. It is me saying to God, I've sinned against you. I've messed up my life by doing things my way instead of your way. I've hurt others and I've hurt you. And I know that I can't fix it on my own. I need Jesus to give me a second chance. I need Jesus to forgive me and give me a new start. So a second chance means owning my mistakes, but it also means moving past my mistakes. Moving past my mistakes. Too many times, even people who own their mistakes seem to have trouble moving past their mistakes. I read an article by a man who had been a guard at a prison in South Carolina. He said, from time to time there would be prison breaks, but it, that it was never as dramatic as it is in the movies. He said there were no spotlights from the guard towers. There were no machine guns. There were no sirens. He worked at a minimum security prison, so they didn't have any of those things. He said for them, a jailbreak was always low-key. He said the inmates would just disappear, and we would find out the next time uh, we counted the inmates and we came up short. According to his story, the first thing they always did when there was a prison break is they would go to the homes of the escaped prisoners. He said, almost always, without fail, that's where they'd be. They just would go back to their homes and we'd capture them. Interesting story, because that's the way it is for too many of us when we find Christ or experience forgiveness. Instead of moving past our sins, we just tend to go back to the same old places in our lives, doing the same old things, committing the same old sin. Moving past our mistakes is a step the Bible encourages us to take. Look at what it says in Isaiah 44. Your sins were like a big cloud, but I wiped them all away. Your sins are gone like a cloud that disappears into thin air. I rescued and protected you so come back to me. And then look at what it says in Acts chapter 3. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. 
both of these passages, in them, God says that God rescued us and protected us by wiping away all our sins. And both passages also tell us we need to turn back to God. Now, the Bible word for this is the word repentance. And we need to repent of our sins, which means far more than just saying that we're sorry for our sin. Our, uh, the word for repenting in the language the Bible was originally written in meant literally to turn or to change. It was as if you're traveling down the road uh, in the wrong direction and you just simply make a U-turn. And we miss out on a second chance when we keep moving toward our sin and our mistakes rather than moving away from them and towards God. And claiming a second chance today would mean that you move away from your sin, that you turn towards God. It means that you aren't just sorry for your sin, but you are sorry enough to let Jesus help you change your life. You say to God, I want to be different. And then you ask him for help and you actually move past your mistakes and overcome them. Friday night, I spoke uh, to a courageous group of people here at Impact. Um, our Celebrate Recovery ministry that we call Revolution meets here every Friday night, and the people there support each other and help each other claim the second chance and fresh start that God has promised them. And they're working hard at both owning and moving past their mistakes. And people there are dealing with their hurts and their habits and their hang-ups, and they're letting Jesus help them overcome them. And if you're struggling with an addiction or a past hurt or anything that's holding you back, I think Revolution on Friday nights might be a really good place for you. But part of what a second chance means is I'm willing to repent of my sins and give God permission to help me move past my mistakes and make some real changes in my life. But there's one more thing that a second chance means. It means accepting my second chance. Accepting my second chance. Now, some see others claim and enjoy a second chance in life. They watch friends or family members or people that they know at church that claim and enjoy a second chance in life, but they feel discouraged right now because they don't see a second chance in their future. You may be sitting there still struggling with this concept of a second chance. You really think your sin is just too bad, that your past choices are just too ungodly. You think that you've just traveled too far from God, and I want you to hear clearly that you have not, that, it's, that those things are not true. And the thought that there is no second chance for you is a lie from the devil who doesn't want you to enjoy the second chance that God has for you. And I can tell you, that you will never enjoy a second chance until you believe God wants to give you one. You have to accept your second chance in order to experience it. But you know, there's another group here that is also pretty discouraged right now. You might be quietly thinking, I've used up my second chance. You might be thinking, you know, I'm all out of second chances. And maybe there's even a problem with us using this concept of a second chance. There, there might be a problem with us talking about 
a God of second chances because it implies that if I mess up once and then I try again and I fail again, I'm out of luck. But God understands something. He understands some of us need more than one second chance. Some of us need more than one second chance. Here's a great prayer that uh, I heard years ago and I've been praying ever since. Here's what it says, Oh God of second chances and new beginnings, here I am again. Oh God of second chances and new beginnings, here I am again. I don't know about you, but I need second chances and second chances and second chances all the time. One second chance hasn't done it for me. And I'm glad that the Bible tells me that God's mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. He is the God of new beginnings and second chances every day. And really more often than that. You see, he doesn't just wipe away our sins the first time and then wipe away our sins again after we fall after our second chance. He wipes our sins away forever when we trust him to do that. He erases them completely. The Bible says that when God forgives us, he cancels the debt of all of our sin, even the sin that we will commit tomorrow, even the sin that we will commit during our second chance and third chance and 30th chance. But to experience this, I have to accept my second chance. I have to say, God, I want you to forgive me. I want to experience your love and your mercy that is new every morning for me. So how do we accept our second chance? Well, we've already talked about some of it. We believe that we're sinners and that God will forgive us. We admit to God and to other people and that we're sinners and we turn away from our sin and we turn back towards God. And then according to the Bible, there's one other way we express to God that we want a second chance. And we read about it in Romans chapter six. Here's what it says. Did you forget that all of us became part of Christ Jesus when we were baptized? In our baptism, we shared in his death. So when we were baptized, we were buried with Christ and took part in his death. And just as Christ was raised from death by the wonderful power of the Father, so we can now live a new life. The passage says baptism is the way that God has asked us to join with him. When someone is baptized, they are saying many of the things that we've already talked about. They're saying that they believe in Jesus and that they want him to forgive their sin. In fact, baptism is a picture of what Jesus did to pay the price for my sin and for your sin. It symbolizes his death and his burial and his resurrection. And when someone is baptized, they are joining with Jesus. As they are dipped under the water, they are saying, I'm dying. I'm dying to my old life. I'm owning my own life. And I want to bury those sins. I want a second chance. And when they come up out of the water, they are saying, now I'm going to live a new life. I'm going to move past my sin and live like Jesus would want me to live. And so uh, one picture of baptism is our death to sin and our burial. But the other picture is what many of the verses that we have been reading today talk about. And uh, that is a picture that was used by a man named Ananias who helped a man that we now call Paul get his second chance. After teaching him about Jesus, after teaching him about owning his sin, Ananias said to Paul these words. Now, 
Why wait any longer? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, trusting in him to save you. The other picture of baptism is a bath. It's a bath where our sins are washed away when we trust him to save us. And some of you need to take that step of baptism. You need to let your sins be buried with your old life. And you need to begin this new life with Jesus. You need to go into the bath of baptism and let Jesus wash away your sins, trusting in him to save you. Notice the passage indicated that Ananias didn't want Paul to wait There was an urgency about it. Ananias felt that it needed to happen quickly. Now, notice there was an urgency. There is an urgency even for religious people. If you're here and you've been walking with Jesus for years, but you have never been baptized by your own decision, this passage indicates it's urgent for you to follow Jesus by being baptized. Now, how do I know this? Because Paul was a religious person. He was a religious person. He had been following God and serving God for years. He grew up in a home that followed God. But Ananias still said, what are you waiting for? You need to do this. And maybe you're here and you're not a religious person. You've just been learning about Jesus and working through your questions. And you didn't grow up going to church or following Jesus. If that's you, it's also urgent for you to follow Jesus by being baptized. The passage says it's urgent for all who want to trust Jesus to save them. But let's deal with the question in Ananias' question. Why wait any longer? Why wait any longer? I have talked to many people about baptism over the last 40 years. People who seem to understand that it really was something that God wanted them to do. Let me share with you reasons people give me for waiting. Here's one. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. And and I hear this one a lot. Somewhere along the line, people decided that they needed to be Bible scholars to get baptized. But in the Bible, many of the people who were baptized had believed in Jesus for less than one hour. They couldn't have known much. So here's everything you need to know if you want to be ready to be baptized. You need to know that you're a sinner. You need to know because of your sin, you've earned a place in eternal punishment. And you need to know that you can't solve that problem on your own, but Jesus can and you're going to let him. And uh, that you're ready to fully trust him to forgive you and to lead you. Now, if you know all those things that I just said in that paragraph, you know everything you need to know to be baptized. Everything you need to know was in that paragraph. You're ready to be baptized. It really is that simple. Another reason people give me for waiting is they say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Now, if you have been thinking this, if you've been sitting there thinking, well, I'd like to be baptized, but I'm just not good enough. Here's my response. You're absolutely right. You're not good enough. And you never will be. You're not good enough and you never will be. You see, baptism isn't about being good enough. It's about trusting him enough. It's you saying to God, I give up. I've tried it my way and it hasn't worked. And I'm going to give you all of me. I'm going to die to how I've been living. I'm going to commit myself to living for you and living your way. Baptism doesn't say that you're perfect. It says that I'm going to let Jesus clean me up. And then you spend the rest of your life 
letting him make us into the person that he wants you to be by his strength, by his grace, not by our effort to be good enough. Another one that I hear a lot is I don't want to insult my family. I don't want to insult my family. People from different church backgrounds will say, you know, I was baptized as a child, and if I was baptized by immersion now, that would criticize or dishonor my parents and my family heritage. Now, i got to tell you, I understand some of the emotions of this. And by the way, Paul had to be dealing with those same emotions when he made the choice that was different than what his family background had taught him. And some of you are struggling with this because your parents had you sprinkled when you were a baby and you think deciding now to be baptized would be like saying, hey, I know you got me sprinkled as a baby, but that didn't count. That was the wrong way to do it. And I I have a better way to do it. But if you really think about it, what were your parents saying when they had you baptized when you were a baby? What they were saying is, They cared about you spiritually. What they were saying is they wanted you to be close to Jesus. They wanted you to follow Jesus. They wanted you to have a good relationship with God. And being baptized today just fulfills the dream they had when you were a baby. It's the ultimate full cycle fulfillment of the fact that maybe you have had someone praying for you. And now you're saying, this is my faith. I'm owning this. I'm going to do what you wanted that day. I'm going to follow Jesus fully. You see, your baptism today would say, my faith is no longer a family heirloom. It is a choice. It's a choice I make on my own to follow Jesus. The choice my parents prayed I would make the day they dedicated me and had me sprinkled. Another reason that I get for waiting is I want my family to be there. And I get that feeling. Baptism is a powerful, defining moment in our spiritual life. And we usually like to share those defining moments with our family. But you have to ask yourself, is that a good reason to delay doing something you know God wants you to do? And by the way, we're going to help you with this one. We are recording all of the baptisms we do this weekend, and we will be giving you a copy so you can have a party. You can invite all of your family and friends in, and you can celebrate your baptism with your family, and you can play it for them on the DVD. I mean, you can play it in slow motion. You can pause it right at the splash if you want. Another reason that people give me is, well, I didn't come prepared. Some of you are thinking, I really feel like this is something maybe God wants me to do, and I want to do it, but I didn't come prepared. I didn't bring a change of clothes. I didn't bring a towel. Well, you might not be prepared, (laughs) but we are. We are prepared. We have modest clothes for you to wear, and we have towels, and uh, you will get a T-shirt that says made new, and we have places for you to change, and we even have mirrors in this building for you to fix your hair when you're done. Some of us don't have to worry about that. But. So none of the reasons that I've just mentioned should keep you from being baptized today if you understand that's what God wants you to do. And I'm praying that today will be the day that some of you take this important step that 
you do this and you let God keep his promise to give you a second chance. And I don't want you to do it to become a member of our church or because we think it's important. I'm merely asking you to do what the Bible clearly asks you to do in order to follow Jesus fully. You've heard today the clear teaching of the Bible, and I'm praying you will push aside any reasons that you've given in the past for waiting and that you will decide today is the day that I say yes to Jesus in this area. I'm going to answer Jesus today with a resounding yes. Now, some of you aren't fond of crowds, and for you doing it here today is a big commitment, and I hope you'll do it anyway. These people here will cheer for you. They will pray for you as you take this next step in your spiritual journey. But if you just can't do it today, would you write on your card baptism in big bold letters and we'll contact you and we'll schedule a time. But if you're ready, here's what I want you to do. In a few minutes, I'm going to say a prayer. And then we're going to sing a song. And during the prayer or during the song, if you just get up and move to the lobby or to this hallway, one of our leaders will be there to meet you and I'll meet you in the baptistry in just a little while. Look at that verse one more time and pay attention to what God might be saying to you. Now, why wait any longer? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, trusting in him to save you. Don't wait. Let's get it done today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this quiet moment, I believe that there's somebody sitting in this room who is really wrestling with this. They're worried about what people around them might think. They're worried about uh, any number of things. But Father, they're feeling you nudge them towards making this decision. And Father, I pray that you give them the boldness to move, to take this step today. Father, there are others who have been Christians for years, maybe they took this step of baptism years ago, but they're struggling because they need a second chance. They want a second chance, and maybe they believe the lie that they've used up all their second chances. Father, would you cause them to turn back to you right now to experience your second chance? And Father, thank you so much that we're not on our own, that we're not alone. We thank you, Father, that your mercies are new every morning we thank you father and father i pray right this minute that you will move in the hearts of people that people might move towards you that they might take this step in jesus name amen